It's time for Outside the Box with Lincoln Stars head coach Rocky Russo and Lincoln Stars broadcaster Joel Norman on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome to the 2022-23 first show of the year for Outside the Box. I'm Rocky Russo, head coach of the Lincoln Stars. Joined by the new face, or voice, pardon me, of the Lincoln Stars, Joel Norman. Joel, welcome to Outside the Box, and, and welcome to Lincoln, Nebraska. Thanks, Rocky. I, not the new face of the team. I've got a face for radio. That's why I'm doing that. But happy to be here nonetheless. Well, we're, we're certainly glad to have you, and, and uh, it's been a quick transition for you uh, into, uh, into town just a couple weeks ago, coming off of... Uh, a baseball season that you were working, but uh, but you're familiar with our organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you that are fans of the Lincoln Stars, you know that uh, our ownership group also owns the uh, North Iowa Bulls and the Mason City Toros, located in Mason City, Iowa. And Joel was a part of our Mason City Toros staff in the in the winter months, and then calling some baseball in uh, Wenatchee, Washington, right? Yeah, so- yeah, right smack dab in the middle of the state, too. Uh, baseball was kind of the, the first sport I really started to do a lot out of college, but jumping into hockey a little bit, did a lot of hockey at college. That was the first sport I ever called, and uh, you know, last year got a great opportunity in Mason City, and happy to be here in Lincoln, jumping up a few tiers. Where'd you go to school? West Virginia University. Mountaineer. Yes, sir. I, ironically, our, our owner, Alberto Fernandez, was a uh, football player at really? uh, the University of West Virginia back in the day. So you guys immediately have something in common and something to chat about. Oh, I met Alberto for the first time a couple of weeks ago. Now I'm kicking myself. I didn't mention WVU in there. but Well, he's around a lot. Yeah. Obviously, we know that uh, Antonio Fernandez, his son, is uh, back with us for a second year. We're very fortunate to have him. He's on the... Uh, the injured list right now but uh, we could expect to see him back in full uniform and ready to go here in about two weeks so uh, we'll see a lot of Alberto he's uh, he loves our our stars he loves to support our program he's a fantastic owner and and uh, as a dad he loves to watch his son play so this is uh, his last kick at the can Antonio just recently committed to the universe or to uh, Princeton University and, and he'll be moving on to uh, Jersey next year to be a Princeton Tiger and so uh He'll finish his, uh, his junior career up here in uh, in Lincoln. It's going to be exciting. I'm excited to see what Antonio can do. I, I mean, for you, it's got to be kind of nice to have him back because that's a guy you've had. This will be your third year with him. But in general, the team, there's a ton of returning players this year, which I think has got to be a lot of fun in your place. You know where guys are at, but I think it's it's been enjoyable to see guys kind of step into the roles that were here last year and then how these other newcomers have, have come in. And obviously it worked out really well last week, Rocky. Well, we we did have a, a good week last week, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, the results there at the Fall Classic in uh, in Cranberry, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But uh, certainly having you know junior hockey is is a, a a different animal than than most other sports. You you don't keep your players long term. It's not like college where you know you've got them hopefully for four years. Um, you're going to have them for a year, two years if you're really lucky, three years. But these guys matriculate on to, uh, to university and NCAA Division One hockey and then on to pro hockey. And so you have to do two things to be successful here. You have to develop your younger players so that they can step into larger roles the following year. And you have to draft really, really well in the USHL so that you have uh, your cupboard full, so to speak. Your affiliate list has to be strong with your 
16-year-olds and your 17-year-olds that are kind of waiting in the wings to step up. And, you know, what you're seeing right now from our group is guys like Mason Marcellus and Tanner Ludke and and, uh, Doug Grimes taking on a a big role. uh, Cameron Whitehead, obviously, is a monster in the net. And, you know, Tanner Ludke is a perfect example of that affiliate list. He... Um, he started the year with us last year prior to the Minnesota high school season. He played 11 games. He played every game. He was killing penalties. He was playing a, a big role on our our penalty kill. He goes back to, to high school, has 61 points in the high school season, returns to us, plays in the playoffs. He's a part of uh, uh, the stretch run, and, and that is just unbelievable experience for a kid like that. And, and then he comes back after a great summer, and he was one of the guys that just stuck out immediately when we were playing those two games last week. And obviously he stuck out first game of the season, scoring 14 seconds in. I don't think anyone had been fully sat at the UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex, and he got things going. And I don't think it's any – and we talked about this earlier today. I don't think it's any coincidence You brought those three players you brought up, Marcellus, Grimes, and Ludke, are all on the same line and all been clicking to start the season as well. Well, <clears throat> Mason has uh, invaluable experience playing – you know, half the year last year as a center, and then we transitioned him to a wing, put him on the line with Aiden Thompson and Lucas Wall. And Aiden, third in the league in, in scoring, committed to Denver, drafted in the third round by the Chicago Blackhawks. Lucas Wall, and what a story from Lucas. Obviously, our, our fans know he played Tier 3 a couple years ago in, in Mason City. Uh, then he plays in Kenai River, Alaska, in the North American League at the Tier 2 level. He comes to the Tier 1 USHL level as a, a 20-year-old, scores 30 goals, plays on the top line, gets a full scholarship. And so Mason got the the luxury of playing with those two players, and, and he did a great job of complimenting the both of them. But his experience, confidence in, in those tough situations, playing hard minutes, playing um, in all different aspects of, of the game was something that you cannot replace when it comes to the way he's playing already as the puck dropped early on our new season. And he's looked really comfortable on the power play too. Uh, obviously two goals. That first one got a little bit of puck luck on last Thursday, but you know they all count the same. A good goal. Similar spot that side. I, I mean, the special teams have really been impressive early on. And you know going up against the team this weekend in Sioux Falls who scored I'm trying to remember. They had the eight-goal victory the one day, and I think it was f- they lost, but scored the first two goals the previous day. You've probably got to figure there's going to be a lot of goals early in the season, especially because guys are flying a little bit more early on, and defenses are still figuring out some schematics. Would you agree? Yeah, you know, it's it, it all depends on the prioritization of of what the coaching staff is doing with their team. You know, if if you're prioritizing working from the net out, then you've you've spent a lot of your time early on in in the training camp season working on defense and and that happens to be what we do uh we feel like you win games from the net out so we want to make sure that we're going to defend properly we're going to understand our responsibilities in our own end um and then the next thing we work on is transition how quickly can we we take the puck back and reattack? and and so we're working on our neutral zone regroups we're understanding where we're supposed to be our puck support our routes etc and then all these guys are so gifted, right? They've all played at, at the highest levels of youth hockey and played junior hockey. So the offensive instincts are there. And so you don't have to, you don't have to, 
to really break that down as much. Now, the way we play in the offensive zone is is five guys and, and everybody moving. It's It's gone away from the traditional thought process of three forwards playing offense and 2D standing at the blue line. Our D are very active. They're down the walls, down the dots. They're, they're encouraged to be a part of our offensive zone. And so that becomes something that is very new for them. And that takes time. And, you know, we showed some video this morning at practice where um, – you know, I'm like, hey guys, here, look, like the, here was the opportunity to do this, and and you're not seeing it yet. They're gonna see it, but it, it'll take a little bit of time, and so that's where you have to to kind of um, <clears throat> teach and and make them understand spatial awareness and going to the puck instead of going away from the puck. But they have the natural instincts to find soft spots and score goals, and and so you let that stuff evolve naturally, and and you just commit yourself to being a 200 foot hockey team that's hard to play against, that's going to win the races, finish their checks, touch pucks first, and and have high energy, and and you watch those games up close, and uh, I think that we brought that right away. Absolutely, I from the preseason games, I felt like this team was going to be dictated by what it would do at the blue line. I think you had a lot of guys who could make a case as the team's top defenseman and would be a lot of teams' top defensemen. I thought it all kind of started there. Uh, you know, Boston Buckberger looked fantastic and really comfortable last week. As, uh, Cole Crossberg rosine as well. And then we mentioned him earlier. You're going to get Antonio Fernandez back at some point here. I mean, And we're going to get Henry Nelson back. And Henry Nelson, yeah. You know, Henry Nelson is, you know, he's, he's not forgot about, but he's in the – He's waiting in the wings as he's uh, recovering from from surgery, and so you're probably not going to see Henry until about Thanksgiving. But that's almost like making that blockbuster trade and getting a player of his caliber in November instead of waiting until you know the trade deadline in in March. You're getting a top four power play difference making defenseman that's going to hop into your lineup and and knows what the expectations are knows the systems knows the structure he's comfortable with our team comfortable with our guys and and uh you know we're happy henry came in for the first couple days of training camp and and got to know the guys he's back at home in minnesota rehabbing his injury but uh we expect he'll he'll be joining us here probably in the next few weeks full time yeah so all of a sudden it's gonna be a really busy battle for the blue line in a lot of ways for your team because you came in you start the season with eight guys there obviously you know Antonio's hurt right now Henry Nelson's hurt and all of a sudden you're gonna have a lot of guys battling and I feel like everyone's shown a lot of reasons for why they should be in there which is why you've dressed seven defensemen a few games but talk to me about that it's got to be a nice problem to have having lots of depth it is and you know what the 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 one thing that I like the most about the USHL is is they're about the developmental side of things so they allow us to dress a 13th forward and a 7th defenseman every night and so you know in the old days, those guys would be sitting in the stands a lot. They wouldn't get the opportunity to be on the bench, get some minutes, start to, to experience different situations and, and grow and develop from, from those. So, you know, you're going to get some of those younger guys some more minutes than maybe you would in the past. And, you know, you look at a guy like Adam Kleber. He's he's a 16-year-old kid. He's committed to the University of Minnesota Duluth. He's going to be a high NHL draft pick come his draft year, but um, you want to talk about a kid that has adjusted quickly to USHL hockey as a, a, a young man that came out of high school hockey last year. And, uh, you know, he's going to have his ups and downs like like any young kid does. But, man, is he mature and composed and, and just understands 
his game understands what we're trying to accomplish, and uh, and he's been really fun to watch early on this year. We're talking Lincoln Stars hockey here on 93.7 The Ticket. I'm Joel Norman, the new voice of the Lincoln Stars, alongside head coach Rocky Russo. And Rocky, I want to switch things up a little bit. I've been getting a lot of people asking me this week, uh, are you excited for the home opener? I'm saying, well, obviously I am. And a lot of the things they've been asking about, well, you haven't seen the star drop yet. Are you excited about that? Tell me the things I need to be looking for that's probably going to get me the most excited for this home opener. You're gonna have you're gonna have those goosebumps, yeah. those shivers when uh, when it comes time for for our intro. Um, you know, I I've been around junior hockey for a long time, going on this is my 18th year, and um, you know, Lincoln, Nebraska, and the Lincoln Stars at one time was the mecca of junior hockey. And uh, winning the Clark Cup and and producing guys like David Backus and Zach Aston Reese and um, you know it, there's there's just a special feel to our building when when it's go time and and you don't feel that in an exhibition game. Um, we intentionally they wanted to drop the star uh, during our last exhibition game and Corey Courtney, who's the unofficial mayor of Lincoln, he's been. Working in the USHL for close to 25 years, he's been here in um, in Lincoln for probably close to 20, and and he looked at me and he's like, "No, that star is reserved for the home opener." and And he's like, "What do you think?" I'm like, "You're absolutely right. You know, let's wait." And uh, because we wanted our guys that hadn't been a part of that to feel that in the first game, and and I've talked to now friends of mine that played in this league 15, 20 years ago that are like we hated coming to play in the ice box because you skate out on the ice and then the light show is like a Dave Matthews band concert and, and the music and the star and everything that, that goes into what really defines Lincoln stars hockey all happens in those first couple minutes. And, and you'll get a special feeling and you'll know that, that you're in a, you're in a, a, a junior hockey, holy ground, so to speak, yeah. when it comes to the ice box. What really excited me about, joining this team was its history the number of guys who've gone on to the NHL obviously the first guy who stood out was David Backus uh, I'm from Pittsburgh so obviously Zach Aston Reese was a guy who I knew as well how how exciting is that for you obviously you've been doing this in junior hockey for a few years of course with Amarillo before how exciting is it for you at times to maybe do you ever sit back and be like you know I'm I've got some special guys who I really am excited to see where they go in a couple of years oh without question you know and and uh I remember going back to, you know, when it was time to take this job, I, I had talked to a couple NCAA Division One schools about some jobs, and uh, a good friend of mine uh, who played in Waterloo, ironically, when he played junior hockey, said to me, Rocky, he's like, you cannot go to college right now. He's like, you have an opportunity to be the head coach of the Lincoln Stars. And and guys would give their, their left leg to be the head coach of the Lincoln Stars, and so go there recreate the 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 magical moments that happened in that ice box and and restore the the history that was the Lincoln Stars and he's like you'll write your ticket to wherever you want to go next and um you know you weren't you weren't here to see some of the things that happened last year but we had some incredible incredible moments at home scoring two goals in in the last 30 seconds of a game to tie it up and then winning it in the first shift to overtime um, you know, just game after game, our guys had an unbelievable 
approach and and never gave up, never felt like they were out of the game. Um, and and that group was special. Noah Lava gets drafted. Uh, Cameron Whitehead, who's back, gets drafted. Aiden Thompson gets drafted. There's a ton of guys going on to play college hockey that that are going to be special, special players. And there's going to be, you know, Joe LeMay was already drafted. There's going to be guys on that team from last year, no doubt, that play in the National Hockey League as as very, very impactful players. And I think if you look at our team this year, uh, there's another handful of guys that you're going to see play in the NHL. One of the things I remember you saying after last season when I heard it was you saying that you felt you told your players from last year you felt like they kind of put the stars back on the map. For those guys who are returning, what was the message after saying, okay, you're back on the map, but here's what's next? Well, play with your chip. Play with the chip on your shoulder, right? Like, uh, we certainly don't like the way the season ended. Uh, we got we got some just dreadful bounces in that game three, and and I thought we were the better team. But you know, hats off to the Waterloo Blackhawks for for winning a game. But um, you know, it was it was a tough way to end a great season, and uh, we thought we had more to give. And so when when your season ends as as abruptly as it did. Um, you're gonna you're gonna leave with a sour taste in your mouth, and so our guys are hungry to uh, to get back to the Clark Club play- playoffs. Um, they want to continue to grow the brand and and uh, the awareness of the Lincoln Stars here in in the city, and and just as much give back to the to the community and spend a lot of time doing uh, community service work and being a part of all the things that occur in this great town, and um, they they don't take being a Lincoln star and living in Lincoln, Nebraska for granted. And, uh, that's, that's really refreshing because it's, it's easy to lose sight of, of where you're at and what you're doing and, and not be where your feet are. These guys all have big futures at the division one level and beyond. And so, you know, for us, it's let's focus on what we have in front of us right now. Let's, let's be the best Lincoln stars we can be before we move on to, uh, to be division one hockey players. I've had a chance to kind of slowly talk with fans a little bit as we get closer to the season as I'm able to, frankly. But one of the things that I've enjoyed hearing from fans was they said they felt like there was more fights in the preseason than there were all of last year. Why do you think this team's got a little bit more snarl than a year ago? We're built a little differently. Um, we were we were a little more skilled last year and, and maybe not as big. Uh, this year we have a lot of skill. There's no question about that. You saw that in our two games. But we also have we have some guys with uh, with a physical presence about them, and and you know Brennan Ali, who's a Detroit Red Wings draft pick, is a, a physical freak. Um, he finished in the top three of every single category at the the NHL Combine, um, and he's you know he plays with a relentless effort and pursuit of the puck, and and he finishes his checks, and he's incredibly talented, but. He also has no problem punching you in the face, um, you know. And you look at other guys like Daniel Sambuco. He's going to Providence, and he's a high-end player who has no problem punching you in the face. And Jack Sparks, I can go down the line. Like we have guys that have individual toughness, but I feel like what we have this year that maybe we didn't have last year is team toughness, where we all have the the willingness to go and the willingness to to have each other's back. And not to say last year's team didn't do that or have that, but you don't want to sit in the box for 15 minutes, right? And and I think the difference is, is this group understands that if it's good for the team, then I'm willing to do it. 
And so you're going to see probably some more fights than we had last year. I still don't want guys sitting in the box for 15 minutes, but right place, right time. Go ahead and, and drop them, and, and it certainly can't hurt the ticket sales. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone's going to be opposed to seeing a few more scraps. I, I think the one that stood out to me the most was Jack Sparks on Game 2 of the Fall Classic last week. It wasn't, you know, he he came up after a big hit on Patrick Raftery, came right over toward the boards. That was a situation where you said, we thought we should have had a five-minute power play there. At the same time, how much do you like seeing Sparks just jumping in and, you know, not to be punny, but being a spark plug? You know what? I thought it was. I thought it was great. Um, you know, I've had zero conversations with Jack about that element of his game. He's he's a young player coming from a low level of hockey, who's obviously physically um, a specimen at six foot eight, um, drafted by the Los Angeles Kings. But more importantly, he's learning how to play that position, and so the the physical side of things that he's willing to bring that that reaction that he had there changed the complexion of that game um our guys got really excited their guys got a little bit stressed and uh we killed you know we we killed the first two minutes of the five on five playing four on four and then we immediately went and scored a power play goal so um i i attribute that to his positive reaction and you know what his teammates looked at it and said hey he's got our back and we'll have his and we'll have everybody else's in the process Lincoln Stars home opener is coming up this Friday. They take on Sioux Falls. It's going to be a 7.05 p.m. puck drop. It uh, should be a really fun night at the Icebox. It's also a BOGO ticket offer. Buy one ticket, get one free. You can get those now at LincolnStars.com. Joel, let's see if we have any callers. Obviously, this is episode one of our 22-23 season, but we love when our fans call in. So if anybody's interested in asking our new voice of the Lincoln Stars, Joel Norman, or or just me, the head coach, Rocky Russo, a question, call us on the Honda of Lincoln hotline at 402-464-5685. And Rocky's going to do a better job at answering questions. I, I don't know how I felt about you doing an intro for <laughs> for me in a way at the beginning. I'm used to doing it the other way around, Rocky. Well, and more often than not, you're going <laughs> to do it, but I wanted to give you the proper welcome to the Outside it. the Box show here and on 93.7 The Ticket, and it's cool. I love DP. I got to, you know, I always pop in a couple minutes early, and, and inevitably he ends up dragging me in for a couple minutes, which I love, and, and uh, it was really cool. We got to chat there for the last two minutes of the previous show, but uh, I can't say enough about these guys here at the ticket and, and what they're growing when it comes to uh, support for, for local athletics, the, the Huskers, and, and us here with the Lincoln Stars. DP has been just a game changer for us, and, and the support that we're getting from them is fantastic. Absolutely. Well, you asked me a little bit about my college. I, I want to ask you about this. So I've seen you with lots of Ohio State stuff. Now, obviously, you know, we're here camp, nearby the campus of UNL. How does that work for you? I mean, do you just even though you live here, do you kind of cheer for them a little bit so much as long as they're not playing Ohio State? So that was that was one of the first questions <laughs> that I got asked last year. And and uh, Actually, the the Huskers played the Buckeyes at home last year, and and it was great because we played on Friday night. We had Saturday off. They played Saturday at 11 a.m., and uh, I had tickets for that game. Um, I am am born and raised in Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, Grew up uh, a Buckeye fan, but I grew up a Youngstown State University fan. Okay. And and at the time, Jim Tressel was the head coach at, at YSU. So this is the early 90s. I'm nine, ten years old. They're winning national championship after national championship. 
Uh, he gets the head coaching job at at Ohio State, and uh, and we you know we supported Ohio State my whole life, and and I've always been a huge Buckeye football fan, and and so um, the the fine folks here in Lincoln know that I am I am a Husker supporter in in always except for when they're playing the Buckeyes and uh, DP has accepted that he's accepted that he knows that uh, the scarlet and gray run deep with me but uh, but I love the Huskers and and we always support them and root for them and we've talked a lot of Husker football on this show uh, probably don't want to talk Husker football right now um, things are things are a little bit down and and uh I certainly have my opinion on on how things are going. It was a tough, tough situation there when uh, when Scott got fired, and I think that perhaps Scott's loyalty to his defensive coordinator ultimately got him fired. Um, and I, you know, there's a part of me that respects that he brought him with him from UCF, and um, you know, he loved him and wanted to see him succeed. And unfortunately, it, it probably cost him his job. But uh, you know, I think Scott is a, a good coach. And I think he's going to resurface somewhere and do a good job. But um, you know, I grew up in the in the Tom Osborne era, and I got to meet Tom last year. It was a very special moment for me as a as a forty year old man getting to meet somebody that I looked up to. And you know, Tommy Frazier running around that uh, that uh, stadium when I was a kid, and and seeing them win national championships. So I would love to see them get back to prominence, and you know, be a be a contender and in the conversation when it comes to national championships. It's going to take some time because you have to build a football program for the long term. And oh, yeah. you know, the other guy they had a couple years ago was Bo Pelini. Bo Pelini's from Youngstown, Ohio. Like I've known Bo for. Uh, a lot of my life, Bo's father and mother-in-law were my some of my dad's very best friends, and so you know Bo's a cranky man, but but he won a lot of football games when he was here, but he couldn't really get him over the hump, and and I think they wanted to hopefully get over the hump, and unfortunately I think they they took a few steps back in in that process. So you know I'm optimistic that things can move forward here and and they can grow this program and. Uh, Trev Alberts is a guy that uh, has a lot of experience at, at very high levels. And, you know, I think he knows what it takes to, to help a program like that grow. They certainly don't lack for finances. If you're going to pay Scott $15 million out the door, they could have held him for another 10 and cut that in half, 10 yeah. days and cut that in half. But, yeah. um, you know, they, that's how passionate the, the the supporters and the donors and the alumni are for, for Cornhusker football. And so... Um, you know, I hope I'm, I'm around long enough here to see them, uh, in that, in that, uh, playoff, as long as Ohio state's on the other side of the bracket. <laughs> well, with it being expanded, that's certainly a possibility here in, in a couple of years. Yeah. And you know what? I think, I think an expansion for college football will be fantastic. Um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm fortunate as a, as a, a Buckeye fan that they're always in that conversation for those four, but how cool would it be to see 12 and, you know, to see some of those intriguing matchups and see some of these teams that, you know, you just don't have a chance if your name's not Alabama or, or, uh, Ohio state or Clemson, like you really don't have a chance to get in. Now, Georgia has worked their way into that conversation, which is great. Oklahoma kind of by default because they were the team coming out of the, the big 12 for a long time. But, how many years did the Pac-12 just get shut out and not get any any teams because the SEC is getting two and everybody loves the SEC and and I understand it but um, you know let's let's get some of those yeah. other teams in let's get some of those 
Boise States of the early 2000s, mid-2000s that can go in there and beat somebody. And uh, and I think it would be just fascinating TV for, for the fans to watch. I like it a lot because initially I was against expansion with the college football playoff, but you look at how the bowl games that aren't CFP games have gone recent years, I don't think most people care. Even sometimes if there are teams in there because there isn't as much significance in general just from the fact that if you're not playing for a national title or a New Year's Six Bowl, and even then, if that's the case, if you're a draft-eligible player, why risk it for a glorified exhibition? Look at, I mean, look, Ohio State played in, in the Rose Bowl last year, yeah, and their top two receivers sat out. And granted, like it gave it gave guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, and and uh, um, you know some younger guys the opportunity to shine on a big stage. And, and Jigba was unbelievable last year. He hasn't played this year because he's been hurt, but he was unbelievable all year, even with Olave and Wilson. And so those guys sit out because they're not playing for national championship. As a fan, you're like, well, I. I don't, I want to see these guys play more. Like yeah. they're they're going to the NFL, and I know they're going to play in the NFL, and that's great. It's cool to watch them when they when they go on and and play. But I've lost a little love for the NFL, and I feel like the two games are different. And now, because it's become such a business, if you're not playing for a national championship, so many of these guys opt out, and um, that's frustrating when when you're just a a, a true fan of the game. I, I don't blame fans for being upset, but I also don't blame players. I don't blame the players at all. I mean, what was it, uh, Jake Butt from, from Michigan a couple years ago tears his ACL in the, the bowl game. and Jalen Smith with Notre Dame the yeah. one year. I mean, that cost Jake Butt, like, huge in the draft. It cost him huge money, and, you know, a lot of these guys. Now, now we can talk about the money that they're getting from NIL. Um, they, I mean, we're talking about millions of dollars. So, you know, uh, it, it, I think uh, – you know, I think that uh, C.J. Stroud spent like sixty-five grand buying everybody, like everybody on the football team, a six hundred dollars suit, and you know that's unheard of. Like that would have been immediately flags going up, and you know NCAA violation a couple years ago. Now these guys are able to to do that. I think that's awesome. I also think we've unleashed something that we're not going to be able to control, and and it's going to turn into. It, it could potentially turn ugly, and, and now the, the transfer portal's wide open, and so you've, you've changed the entire landscape of, of college sports, but specifically the big money sports, right? The, the, the football and the basketball is, is just going to forever be changed, and, and you'll see if you, have, if you recruit to a, to a smaller school a, a great player and he has an unbelievable freshman year, you, you can just as well can. You know, he's gone. Yeah. He's gone. He, you know, there was a, a goalie at Mercyhurst last year, completely unrecruited goalie that that Mercyhurst gave him a chance at, at the very end of the recruiting cycle. He comes in, he has an unbelievable year. Um, nobody wanted this kid. Nobody. He has an unbelievable year. All of a sudden, boom, he's in the portal and he's gone to, to the University of North Dakota. One of the one of the perennial best programs in the country. So now you're you're seeing what what wasn't intended, but the a bigger gap between the the big schools and the smaller schools and that's ultimately what is going to occur in college football because the rich are going to get richer mm -hmm. you know and you know we could talk about whether this money was being dished out prior we all know it was um the difference is now it's fair game but 
if you're Alabama, you're not you're not going to hurt. Ryan Day comes out and says, I need X amount of millions of dollars to satisfy my NIL needs to get the guys we want. No problem. How does the next tier of of schools compete? How does Nebraska, who who should be potentially in that top tier, how do they compete with the likes of Clemson and Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State to get those players? That's where you're going to find out what damage this has caused over the next couple of years. Oh, absolutely. And I think it comes down to who you're going to hire as well. And, you know, you, you look overall, it looks like we're we getting a caller in coming in here, it looks like. Who, who is in here? Kyler's coming in. Kyler, welcome to Outside the Box with uh, myself and Joel Norman. How you doing tonight? Might have left us. Oh, Kyler left. Kyler, call us back. We apologize. We got a little uh, off topic. But uh, hopefully we can get Kyler back here after the uh, the break. Uh, we're looking forward to a, a lot more great conversation with uh, Joel and myself. We've got a couple great guests coming to join us in the second half of the show. So uh, make sure and stay tuned. We'll be back here in uh, just a couple minutes with Outside the Box.